0: new york it's almost there new york city there it is welcome to the just dumb enough podcast i'm your host as always colton petrie today my guest is christina stanton a new york tour guide with over 30 years of experience showing the big apple to people who've never experienced it we cover all kinds of things from planning a trip to staying safe while out and about On top of that, we briefly discuss her experience living through the 9-11 attack and the award-winning book she wrote about pressing through the fallout from just six blocks away. I don't want anyone to be caught off guard when it does come up near the end of the episode, but I also don't want anyone to be turned away by the seriousness of that topic. We spend a couple minutes at most discussing the whole situation towards the end of the episode... Giving most of our time to the city itself and the experiences any tourist could wish to find while they're there. Let's get to walking here. Welcome to the podcast, Christina Stanton.
1: Hello. <laughs> Hi.
0: So glad to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Why don't you tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself?
1: So my name is Christina and I'm from Florida, but I have lived in New York city for almost 30 years. I moved there as a 23 year old in 1993 and have been there ever since. So it's kind of my adopted home, but essentially you know, I spent more time in that city than I did in my Florida town growing up, so I definitely feel like I'm a New Yorker, even if I wasn't born and raised there. And yeah, I became a licensed New York City tour guide in 1995, and have been touring ever since, and I love it. <laughs> it's it's actually pretty addictive, <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of tour guides would tell you that. And yeah, so that's that's kind of my life. That's my career, and and um. Uh, what started out as like a side hustle ended up being kind of my main, my main thing. And and I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And so many people, I think everywhere in the world probably knows the name New York. Like that's probably our most famous place in the U S is like, everybody knows New York.
1: They Um, do. They do. I mean, I have, I've traveled a lot in my life. I've even been like in the rural back country of, of Mozambique and Madagascar. And they know New York. <laughs> so it's it's pretty famous. But I have to say, I'd like to hear from people to, to ask, like, do you think that there's a better city to visit than New York? Because it's I'm pretty hard pressed to think that there is one out there. It's just the perfect city to visit. It has something for everyone. And the biggest thing is it's accessible. It's walkable. Like it's not this kind of like crazy out there. Big, I can't wrap your brain around what to do. What to, no, it's actually a very small area and so much to see, totally walkable, totally safe. And so, yeah, it's the perfect vacation destination.
0: Yeah. And right there, you kind of brought up, you know, two open misconceptions where you're saying, you know, New York is very safe. I think, like, when you say safe and New York in the same sentence, I think gangs of New York. And you're like, yeah, it's a right. movie. Like it's, a, it's just an entertainment piece. It's not a, a fact of life here in New York.
1: Well, hey, you know, and listen, we all know that crime is up in general around the United States. I'm not just saying, uh, hey, you're never going to have anything ever happen to you ever. But got to understand, I have lived there for 30 years and I've put myself out, out there. I'm not kind of ensconced in an apartment. Uh, where nothing could happen to me, but yet like nothing has happened to me in 30 years. And, you know, when you have 9 million people crushed into a very small area, yes, things happen. And yes, you hope it doesn't happen to you. But if you're a little savvy, um, knowing like a couple of things to avoid and, and to be really super aware of your surroundings... Odds are that alone will kind of spare you 90% of what's going on out there. So is it 100% safe? No, because no place is 100% safe. Is it, is it pretty, pretty darn safe, especially uh, in light of uh, you know a city environment? Yes, very.
0: Yeah, it would probably be a much weirder place that everyone would want to visit if New York had a 0% crime rate. Like that would be a really bizarre statistic.
1: <laughs> it just doesn't. It doesn't exist. It doesn't but doesn't exist you know, anywhere. I always, exactly. I always feel bad that people, for instance, don't take the subway because they think that it is incredibly dangerous. And it is not. There's a couple of tricks to, to mitigate any potential danger, which I'm happy to kind of go into. Yes, But please. no, I mean, the subway <laughs> is the best way to get around apart from walking. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a very patrolled, very policed city and there is tons of tourists and tons of locals who care about your well-being. You know, one thing I have to say about New York is people watch out for each other there. They're hyper aware of, is everybody safe? Because really I can speak for New Yorkers. If you're safe, if everybody's safe, then everybody's safe. Kind of like that Martin Luther King Jr. quote that, you know, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere it's kind of the same mentality in new york like we all have a stake in keeping each other safe if i help keep you safe i'll keep me safe as well and so there are a lot of vigilantes walking around ready to help somebody if they're in trouble in more ways than one yeah
0: yeah and that's you know like we've we've just been stacking misconception on top of misconception because i think that's one of the other things that i think gets showed a lot in media is there like, oh, New York City is this dog eat dog area. And if you're not, you know, immediately aggressive all the time, like you're just going to be absolutely hustled immediately upon entering the city and you'll be homeless within the hour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, listen, there are some things that you can do, again, to mitigate any situation happening to you, which I will go into. But, you know, New Yorkers, I have to say, representing New Yorkers they they're kind of know-it-alls right they they pride themselves on i know a lot i've been there i've done that so if not out of kindness that they want to help strangers then out of a sense of i know this answer you need to ask me or i you know are you are you lost you know yes kindness is involved but they also want you know to show you all their knowledge of the city now they really do though look out for each other they really do care about everybody being safe they they um People are very proud of their city. And yes, the dog eat dog world comes in when it comes to work, right? It's a work culture, not really necessarily a family oriented culture. It is a work culture where people take their work very seriously and they, they should because they spend probably 80% of their time at work, right? So they get there at eight. A lot of people leave at eight, their work at eight. So that's where you might get, you know, some of the aggressive hustle, but a tourist wouldn't necessarily see that, you know, it's just the work environment is a very serious thing and people take their work very seriously.
0: Yeah. And the other thing I just want to touch on, is you said, like, well, it's not that big, but we do have 9 million people. And I'm <laughs> like, those two thoughts in my head want to fight each other. Like, well, I well, could- like
1: 9 million pe- people are crammed into a very small area. I mean, Manhattan alone, you know, there's five boroughs that make up New York City. Manhattan alone is two and a half miles across. I mean, that's at its widest point and about 17 miles long. So it's, uh, you know, just that's Manhattan. And then the rest, you know, they house a lot of people in a small space, even in Queens and the Bronx and Staten Island, definitely a little bit more spread out, but still you're housing a lot of people from a lot of different countries. It's truly a melting pot. I mean, did you know that 53% of New Yorkers were born in another country? So it is truly a melting pot. And to tell you the truth, that's one of the reasons why I loved it so much when I moved there. I mean, I came from Tallahassee, Florida, and there's not a huge amount of diversity or there wasn't when I was growing up in the 80s. Um, There's more diversity now. It's a bigger town now. But when I went to New York, I was a minority, to tell you the truth, Um, white girl and who was born and raised in in the USA. And I love that. I just I remember going to church. Right, grew up going to church, went to uh, church up in New York City, looking around at you know, the people sitting around me and thinking, wow, I am surrounded by every color on this planet. I love being surrounded by people who speak different languages and eat different foods and and, and have a different life perspective. Still love that.
0: Yeah. You got to see more than just one note of life.
1: Yeah. No, it's lay, It's a layered and textured place. And, and, you know, and we make it work, you know, Uh, everybody comes with their own sensibilities, their own culture, their own ideas. And yet, it, it works. It's a little tenuous at times. And sometimes things get top heavy or what have you. And But, um, it, you know, like I said, it's like a big melting pot that's, that is essentially a, a, a place where so much has been worked out um, culturally and where people had to learn to get along and how to, had to learn how to live together. And they do it pretty successfully. But can I go into some ways to keep safe? Since yes. we're still on the subject before we go off and then I forget. No, please. Um, Here's a, here's a few tips. Okay. So one is when you go to times square, Right. Or you go to some big tourist hubs like we're on the Statue of Liberty, Times Square, maybe Rockefeller Center, maybe around the Macy's. You're going to see people dressed up in costumes like Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse and the Statue of Liberty herself. What they're wanting you to do is to take a picture of them with you and you tip them afterward. But they're so savvy that sometimes, you know, you could be taking a picture of your family or your mom and dad or your loved ones. And one of them will hop into the picture and then demand money from you um, afterwards. If you want to avoid that whole situation, just you'll have to be aggressive and say, no, I don't want that. Right. And, and they'll they'll do their own thing. They get it. They respond to that. So I'm um, just saying that, that that's an element that's out there that you're going to have to deal with because that's what they do is they're, they're there to take a picture of you and get tips for being in that picture. Another way to avoid uncomfortable situations is to never let anybody put anything into your hands. Okay. So let me explain that when you're going through Times Square, Rockefeller Center, blah blah, blah there are people handing out all kinds of stuff from, you know, innocuous looking leaflets, advertising, man, manicures and pedicures around the corner, to um, somebody is handing out New York caps and saying that it's free, um, to guys in Times Square who have CDs and will say, I want you to listen to my music, okay? So here's the thing. You, as long as you keep those hands closed, you will avoid a multitude of issues, Once somebody puts you, put something in your hands, like a CD, like a cap, you're kind of caught. You get to hear a spiel that you didn't want to hear. You um, become kind of a target to tell you the truth, because let's say somebody put that CD in your hands, try to give it back to them. They'll be like, oh no, it's in your hands. Now you have to give me $5 and they won't take it back. So then you got a situation, right? uh, Let's say the guys who are handing out New York City caps, they'll say, oh, here, take this free hat. They put it in your hands, and then you get to listen to like a 15-minute spiel on how they represent an organization that helps homeless people and give us $15 for the hat. And to tell you the truth, um, from what from what I've heard, that's that's not going to a homeless organization. It goes into their pockets. So again, you don't want to hear that, you want to avoid that. So the, the the long and short of is it don't let anybody put anything into your hands. You avoid a whole pile of situations. So some of those uh, basic things. When it comes to like the subway, you take the subway. What you need to do is you need to get down to the platform and stand in the middle of the platform, right? You don't want to stand by the very edge. And so if there's somebody around who has uh, not mentally or emotionally well. And they want to push you, doesn't happen often at all, but, um, obviously if somebody pushes you onto a truck, you have an issue, but you avoid that just by knowing that, okay, as soon as I get down to the platform to wait for my train, I sit, I stand right in the middle. Okay. But the basic thing is keep your eyes always open to what's around you. You see somebody who looks like they're kind of crazy or they're muttering to themselves or they look aggressive. You know what? You you cross the street, you get out of their way. You want to not be a target. You see somebody who is coming towards you. Um, you don't know them, just, you know, you always be aware of your surroundings because that's how you're able to avoid any situation coming up on you. So, so I know it's, it's hard to develop eye, eyes at the back of your head when you're not used to doing that in your hometown. And you've only been to New York city. You've only been there for like two days but that's something to keep in mind of just constantly being aware of your surroundings and trust your gut. If you feel unsafe, if it feels weird, Then then leave, you know, do what you need to do. Now, that being said, there's some areas in town that are fantastic, that are not as squeaky clean and newer buildings as, let's say, Times Square. You always feel bad, let's say, if somebody goes to the Lower East Side or East Village and it looks a little scruffy or even Chinatown, they're like, oh, it's dirty. Some people will say, but you're also missing how fabulous those neighborhoods are. You know, put yourself out there for sure and and go go see some things that um yes, yeah, just stretch yourself, but do trust your gut. If something feels you know uncomfortable, then backtrack and do what you need to do to get around people. The idea is to cut be around people because there's safety in numbers for sure,
0: well, and those are a couple of things that are you know pretty common sense if you are just you know standing out there like don't stand close to railroad tracks. You should probably do that anytime there's a train anywhere. Don't stand near the tracks because anyone can be unhinged at any time. Yes. And also a stiff breeze. <laughs> like I get that the subway is underground, but like I could stand up above ground where we have trains up here. I could fall with a stiff breeze if I'm not paying attention. Like, and some, just...
1: some of our subways are over ground. And yeah, I agree. You're, you're, something falls on the, to the track. If your cell phone falls into the track, then it stays on the track. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't try to save that thing.
0: Yeah. And the same thing, like, you know, if you're coming from a small town, I understand where people say, you know, like I live in a very small town. Everyone is very kind because everyone knows everyone here. However, if you are out in public anywhere at any time and someone seems really aggressive, best not to interact with them, you know, like just give them the space. Keep yourself out of that situation.
1: Yes, 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 yes. So um, those are just some things to keep in mind. Also, you know, people ask me, oh, what should I have on the itinerary? Um, What about restaurant reservations? And you know what I say about that? New York City is is so interesting. There is a wonderful restaurant on each corner, it seems like. I always feel bad when somebody, uh, unless they just love a certain chef or love a certain cuisine, uh, they find themselves in Greenwich Village. But yet they've made a restaurant reservation in the Upper West Side. And now they have to run and try to try to navigate themselves to get this restaurant reservation. But they've lost travel time, you know, when there's fabulous restaurants in Greenwich Village. So I would say nix the restaurant reservations and just see where, where things take you. Another thing that makes me um, kind of cringe is to hear... If a tourist comes and they spend time in Times Square, by the way, I'm not one of those snobs who says stay away from Times Square. I love Times Square. Um, But let's say they go to Times Square and they spend time at Macy's. But, you know, they never get to all the neighborhoods below 14th Street, such as uh, Soho, Chinatown, Little Italy, East Village, Lower East Side, Greenwich Village, Tribeca. They they miss all of those. Well, that's kind of what New York is. New York is a collection of neighborhoods and they're all so interesting and different from each other. And so I feel like you really get the heart of New York City once you visit neighborhoods. And a lot of people end up just kind of going to where all the tourists are and that's fine too. But definitely make time to go to some of the neighborhoods. So you can just see how different how and special they are.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of those like if you are for whatever reason in New York for 12 hours and you want to see like the main New York experience, like, sure, spend your 12 hours walking that that small area of space, like you said, that is very New York. But if you're there for a week, how are you going to go to a place that has places called Chinatown and Little Italy and not go?
1: Right. I mean, Little Italy is just fantastic. They're all fantastic. They all just have this really interesting ambiance that's just very different from the rest of the city. So, and I'll have to say I'm a little biased, but I'm a big believer in tours, <laughs> just a little biased, right?
0: Just a little. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because, you know, there's so many interesting things to see that it's just easy to, to, to pass them by. Um, I'm a big fan of walking tours. And if you don't want to take like a walking tour, get some, get a book, get an app you know, do what you need to do to um, be able to really see some highlights. Like for instance, people go down to Greenwich Village and they like, where's the beatnik generation? Where is all the cool, you know, little mom and pop stores? Because to tell you the truth, it's kind of easy to miss down there. And there are historic streets with the most amazing architecture, the most amazing history that unless you are taking some form of a walking tour, you're simply going to miss because they're, they're kind of hidden or there's different section of Greenwich village that you might go to one section that that's just not where the history is the epicenter of, you know, like, yeah. So there's, there's restaurant districts, there's even a jazz district, but I would highly recommend some type of walking tour or a tour. Now that being said, the gray line tour or the double decker tours. There's a couple of uh, um, different double decker companies out there. They've all gone to audio. I am not a fan of that for one thing. It threw a lot of people out of work. It really did. And also, too, if you're if there's so much to see in New York, the 360. So what an audio tour does is it is it takes your focus and it, it if you've stopped somewhere. It'll show you one thing <laughs> out of the 360, ignoring everything else going on around you. And so if you have questions, you want to know anything else about this particular stop, you're not going to find out. So unfortunately, I'm not a fan like I used to be when there were live guides there. So I, I would just say walk. And one last point I would say when you're making an itinerary is have a midtown day, a downtown day, and an uptown day, like when it comes to if you're looking around Manhattan, because you want to avoid that travel time, right? So you have a midtown day, and then keep it all midtown. You would go explore the library, Times Square, uh, Madison Square Garden, the Macy's area, and maybe you'll go to the Empire State Building, maybe you'll go to a Broadway show, then go to an uptown day the next day, right? So you're not traveling all the way from one end of the island of Manhattan to the other. The uptown would be you do a central park. You would do the museums of the Upper West Side, like the Museum of Natural History. You do museums of the Upper East Side, for instance, the Metropolitan Museum or the Museum of the City of New York. And you just kind of keep to that area. So you, it's all walkable. And you're just flowing from one point to the next. Or go to a downtown day and see the neighborhoods, right? So you would get off at 14th street, go walk through Greenwich village and wind your way down all the way to the financial district. So it's just uh, you waste some time. If you're trying to hit all these different points and all these different places in Manhattan, and you just, you spend a lot of travel time. Yeah. Pick a section and just go see everything there is to see in a day.
0: Yeah. It feels like, you know, drop a bunch of pins on a map. You shouldn't ever bypass one pin to get to another. Yeah. You know, like follow a distinct pathway that you can see everything without having to loop backwards. Yes. And go back up. That makes sense. Are there ever, I know, obviously, there's a lot of people traveling from a a lot of places just to come see New York City. What are the most common things people want to hear about when they get there?
1: Well, you know, when the most touristed, place in New York city is actually uh, when I, when I, um, quiz you, what do you think is the most touristed place in New York city?
0: Well, I don't have a lot of information, but based on what I've heard, I would say Manhattan seems like the place to be.
1: Yes, for sure. What, what in Manhattan then? And you're very right about that.
0: Um, boy, when you I am... think of
1: New York, what do you think of?
0: I'm going to, I'm going to side with the, uh, the entertainer in me and say Broadway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I would have thought that too. I would have thought Times Square, like that is the epicenter, but actually, you know, it's central park. Oh, so it's like when people come to New York city, like no one ever misses central park. It's 843 acres. So much to see. So I would say that's definitely worth seeing. Um, but again, you can't go and visit 843 acres. You're not going to do it. And there are definite highlights there. So again, with an audio guide or some kind of an app or some kind of a walking tour, because I when I do a Central Park tour, I, I really only hit about a quarter of it. But within that quarter, we see some really cool stuff. And there's a route that I take people. But it's, even that is worth planning if you can. wandering around Central Park, you are not going to go wrong. Wandering around and and seeing actual things (laughs) that um, are historic, that's a plus, isn't it? Like for instance, I mean, did you know that um, last year they unveiled a a statue of the first women in uh, Central Park, meaning of all the statues that are in Central Park. It's the first one of, of real live women who walked to the earth it took them all the way to 2021 to come out with such a thing. Can you believe that? So there are sculptures of women like Alice in Wonderland. She's fiction. The yep. angel on top of the, uh, the, uh, the fountain, at Bethesda fountain, you know, fiction. So yeah, it took them a lot of, and it was, it's called the 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 Women's Movement Memorial. And it is uh, reminding us of, of of women who helped allow women to get the vote, right, in the early 1900s. So, That's fantastic. But if you were walking by it, I mean, you wouldn't know. That's new. Just (laughs) came out last year. There's not anything else like it in the park. It took them all this time to come up with, with such a sculpture of commemorating real women who walked the earth. So all these interesting things that you would, you would help you appreciate things more. Yeah, but. Yeah, Broadway, absolutely. Times Square, absolutely. Statue of Liberty is worth seeing to me, mainly because Ellis Island is such a wonderful museum and you can't go there unless you do that whole Statue of Liberty ferry system. But just saying, uh, plan the whole day because. Um, it's it really needs a good strong six hours, and then not, not everybody has six hours. But if you're going to go there and think that you're going to be kind of blowing through it in two, you're going to be disappointed, and will disappoint yourself because you're going to want to spend time there.
0: Yeah, you're like, oh, we'll we'll grab a late breakfast, we'll hit the Statue of Liberty, we'll come back and grab lunch, <laughs> and you're like, nope, that's not happening.
1: And you can do that if you like go to the Staten Island Ferry. So the Staten Island Ferry is a free ferry system that goes to us to and from Staten Island every half hour. You can't go wrong. Does it get completely close to the Statue of Liberty? No, but it's almost like I call like the poor man's or the no time way to see the Statue of Liberty and get somewhere up close to her where you have a good picture. So if you don't have the time, if you're not interested in Ellis Island, if uh, you don't have the entire day, do this. Staten Island Ferry it's free it's usually a very pretty boat ride and and bada bing bada boom you're out with a good picture
0: yeah so I was going to ask you about the park just because you had said like oh they have these statues and this other stuff going on is there a lot of freestanding artwork just throughout the park
1: yeah but you know there it's everywhere in New York City literally everywhere so here's another for instance there's another park it's called the High Line, which you might have heard of. It's an elevated former railroad. Well, it still is a railroad. They basically made a, a rails to trails. And it is three floors, the equivalent of three board floors above ground. And they've turned it into a park. And you're walking down this old railroad track, and there is artwork on either side of you. And it's just beautiful. But even in Times Square, there's sculptures, there's statues, there's there's public art. There's art everywhere, which is a really fantastic thing about the city. Another thing that I think is really cool are there are live musicians playing all over the city as well, and especially in Central Park. You know, a lot of people go... To Central Park to practice their instrument because it won't bother the neighbors. And so we're walking through Central Park and we're the beneficiaries of that, right? Getting to hear all this free music.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Cause I think of, you know, like a park out where I'm at is just a large area of nature. And it generally, there's not much more to it than that. You know, you have pathways that you walk through and you just kind of sit in the quiet with the birds. Whereas this is a whole thing, like you are, You are taking a trip through basically an art installation that just happens to be outside.
1: Yeah, 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 sure is. The whole city is just is art. And, you know, if if you uh, are on a budget, there's also ways to see art for free. I think MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, has, I think, a free night. I believe it's like Friday after five. There is a, the Museum of Natural History. You only have to pay a dollar to get in there. Um, it's a suggested donation. Uh, the Metropolitan used to be the same, but it's not anymore. But yeah, there's, there's ways to, to, to cut down. Uh, there's, there's a lot of free museums. And uh, just all you have to do is Google free museums in New York City and, and you've got that. You know, if you want to, New York is a very expensive city and there are ways to cut corners um, not hitting the nice restaurants and going to a grocery store and buying elements of a sandwich that's way to save money they you can save money uh, on broadway shows and in various ways that's easy to google on the internet and again free museums and just walking walking itself uh, is just so interesting but where i wouldn't skimp on is some cheap hotel in a less touristed uh part of town now let me let me explain that too um you really just want to look at the star ratings and um if you're looking for cheap i'm all into cheap i'm a big fan of hotels.com but don't get it to where it's two stars or three stars to save money you don't want that okay you want the highest star rating at the cheapest price Don't sacrifice. Have you're not going to spend a lot of time in your hotel room. That is for sure. But you, there are some dumps out there. You know that really are shouldn't be calling themselves hotels, right? There are some dumps out there, and you don't want to be stuck feeling unsafe in an unclean room, hotel room. If you are in limited budget, don't skimp on that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, And I'm all into not. You don't have to stay in Times Square. You don't. You don't. There's a lot of cheap hotels in the financial district. And and I'm a little biased because I live in the financial district, but they're fantastic and they're cheaper because everybody wants to stay in Times Square. Well, you're going to go down there anyway, because there's so much to see. But again, don't don't skimp on on the hotel room to feel unsafe and and have an unclean environment.
0: Yeah. As someone who just got back from a trip uh, all the way across the country in Georgia, uh, I would not stay in a two-star hotel anytime soon. (laughs)
1: Not worth it. Not worth it.
0: Especially not if you're in a big packed city like that is not the place to do it.
1: But I I do. I want to reiterate that point that there's a lot of hotels in the financial district and great area there's and you're surrounded by all kinds of things to do. So,
0: yeah, no, that's awesome. So on the other hand, you know, people come in with all these expectations. Are there ever anything? you know, that people run into that. They're just kind of disappointed by they think that they really like had this weirdly high expectation or this unrealistic idea when they came to New York, they were going to see, you know, like skyscrapers made of gold into the sky. And then they showed up and they're like, there's no gold skyscrapers here.
1: Actually, you know, what I hear a lot is people will go to the Statue of Liberty and they always say, I thought she was taller than that. <laughs> I hear that a lot. And I have to admit, like, she's tall because she's on a pedestal. But a lot of people think that she's ginormous and she's really not. So um, that's the first thing that came to mind. I I can't say, um, you know, uh, people do get a little frustrated how much walking there is. The amount of walking that you need to do in New York City to really get from point A to point B and to see things is is hefty. So, for instance, if I have, let's say, a group of senior citizens And let's say they're going to be spending time at the 9-11 Memorial. There's only so close that I can get that bus to the Memorial and we have to walk the rest of the way. And sometimes I feel like they're like, you made us walk. And I'm like, no, I got you literally as close as curbside service as I could. It's just a walking city and it requires a lot of walking. That being the case, don't come to New York city, bringing your best clothes and your four inch heels ladies where literally i i will you know invest in a very expensive pair of of tennis shoes with an incredible heel like 3 3 inches of of foam or whatever because you need your feet to be in an optimal form you come here and you do not take off those sneakers, because you need to be in comfort because you're going to be hurting after a while. Everybody does. They're just not used to having that kind of a walking environment like New York is. And you just, you, you want to see everything you want to walk everywhere. So don't kind of shoot yourself in the foot, uh-huh, so to speak, by bringing some uncomfortable shoes or some pretty shoes. Nobody's looking at your shoes. You need your feet and you need your feet in good shape to get you to point A and point B to see New York.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, if you're looking to head to New York, maybe now is the time to get into the gym and just do a lot of walking exercises because Great idea. You can do I think the average human speed is something like 5 miles an hour. 4 to 5 miles an hour, and it's like that's if you're doing an all-day trek through New York from place to place, even if you stop in between places, like that's a lot of walking. Yes. You're doing a marathon and you're just not trained for it.
1: Yes. And yes, so definitely those, those shoes you need to be in, in preparing for your trip. Absolutely. By doing walking every day. Uh, some, some friends of mine who came to visit me did that. They had a walking club, you know, for like three or four months before they came. And I thought that they, they did great. And I really think it was because they did a lot of warm ups. Here's another thing I want to mention the bathroom situation. Yes, there are not a lot of public restrooms available. That can be very challenging. A couple of things to keep in mind is when in doubt, use the restroom. If there's one there and you only kind of need to go, kind of don't need to go anyway, because odds are you might find yourself in a situation where you can't find one when you really need one. There's nothing more uncomfortable than that. Also, when in doubt, you know, hotels are good, but just know that a lot of their lobbies are not on the ground floor. So you're going to have to kind of navigate a hotel to get to their lobby. And a lot of them, they you they only allow you to key in the uh, restroom if you are staying there and you have your room key. But you, so if you get desperate, you know, certainly go up to somebody and say, I need a room key, you know, to get into the restroom. But I'm just saying if you're somebody who you know, use the restroom a lot. That is something to keep in mind. You might even want to do a little bit of research of of public restrooms because you just don't want to be uncomfortable and they really are not easy to find. So that's something to to get a heads up of and don't let it surprise you and don't let it bum you out. It just needs a little bit of planning and a heads up. And again, when you find a restroom, go, even if you don't need to go at that moment.
0: Well, yeah. And I bet, you know, the other thing that we haven't said that probably plays into that quite a lot is if you're walking a bunch and you're out during the day, you're probably also drinking a lot of water, which you should be anyway, but you're probably drinking a lot of water to recoup everything that you're kind of even when you exhale and water comes out. You got to recoup all that. And if you're drinking a lot of water, it might not feel like you need to go to the bathroom now in the museum, but you you're going to be 45 minutes to your next destination. Can you wait that long if you're still drinking water?
1: Exactly. Good point. Good point. It's just something to keep in mind that don't let it surprise you when you're having a hard time finding a public restroom, just need to do a little bit of planning and just being careful and just knowing that that, that that's, um, and one of the reasons why it's an issue too, is because a lot of restaurants and Starbucks and normal places that have restrooms close them during COVID because they didn't, tell you the truth, have a lot of people who uh, were working to be able to clean them. You know, everything was running on such a shoestring and including a a huge labor shortage that a lot of them permanently closed their restrooms. And some of them might be back open now, but for the most part, I feel like COVID has made it even more challenging to find a restaurant.
0: Well, and that's something, you know, I had heard that there was kind of a lot of people moving out away from the city as COVID picked up Initially, at least that was like the news that I remember hearing was all of the big cities were seeing people leave because their jobs went remote. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, Well, if I'm working, if I'm working remotely, I don't need to pay living in the city wages. I can, you know, I can move outside the city. Has that changed at all? Are people coming back, or has it kind of just stabilized?
1: That's a good question. You know, you're gonna get different answers if you ask different people and if you read different publications and articles. But I think what people, everybody agrees with is that there's a lot of empty buildings, especially in Midtown and the financial district of companies that no longer require their, their people to come into the office. My, my husband's job went permanently online. Like he doesn't think he'll ever have an office to go to if he stays with his job. So that has implications for this city. You know, all of the restaurants around it that relied on office workers coming to use them and use their services and to buy things there is no longer around. And a lot of them had to close subsequently as well. So it's definitely affected the city. There's a lot of closures of, of different restaurants and stores and yeah, they're just, there's, definitely like less people there. And certainly tourism is not 100% back. It's just not. So I believe that in 2019, 66 million people came to the city. And for 2020, they were projecting 70 million people would come visit the city. And I think last count of um, this year, they're expecting, what is it, around 40 million? So it's, you know, it's a huge.
0: Yeah, you're like a a 30, 35%. Drop off. That's a big one.
1: Yeah. It's, it's huge. So in some ways, if you go to the city, there's less lines,
0: there's
1: (laughs) less people on the street. That's nice for a lot of people, but, but yeah, so it's the loss of tourism, the loss of office workers that has definitely affected the city. And it's just, it goes to show what's going to happen in the future. We're just not sure. And a, a lot of my friends, yes, did move out of the city and they did make different arrangements for their lives since they don't have to be at the office anymore. But it doesn't mean that the city is any less exciting and fun to visit or expensive. (laughs) It still has all of that.
0: (laughs) So one of the things you had kind of said, you know, initially is like it's 52%. I think that's the number you had said people who are born internationally living in New York. Do you see that same kind of ratio in people coming in for tourist visits? That's
1: a good question because you know what they say that international tourists coming to new york city stay twice as long and spend twice as much so the loss of international tourists has been a huge hit to new york city because they're they're kind of let's say the best tourists yeah. <laughs> because again they drop a lot of money and they stay much longer so that's been that has been tough that has been tough you know and and, and if things stabilized in america uh, covid wise i mean that's great but other countries haven't has, haven't been that lucky or they, they've they had their own issues with COVID. And so that means the loss of of lots of people in different countries. Like you might've heard of China, you know, the Chinese uh, tourists, there was a huge amount coming into New York city and well, you know, that's, that's a demographic that's, that's just not bounced back at all. So uh, it's, it's definitely uh, the city's taken a hit. Certainly, certainly has.
0: Yeah. It's shifted a lot more to its kind of people inside the U S that can still travel here. That makes right, sense. Right, right. Uh, it makes sense. On the other hand, you know, when you're saying like they stayed twice as long, spent twice as much, you know, if I was flying over at least one ocean to get here, I would too. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's their precious time. Whereas Americans, a, a lot of, a lot of people can chip on up there, chip on over there, um, you know, for, for a weekend here and there, but also too, there is a lot of loss of group travel. So for instance, spring break in March, you know, spring break is huge for students, student groups. So student groups will six months out, get a group together, book everything and stay for four or five days during their spring break and spend a lot of money and see a lot of Broadway shows. But we haven't had a good, strong six months in advance to um, allow, let's say, group the heads of groups to get their acts together and to recruit and to raise funds and and all these things. So, so that that will be back probably during the next big wave, which is in the fall, especially during Christmas time. But the big time for for groups is let's say March through the end of June. And unfortunately, that has not panned out very well because we haven't had a good solid six months in advance for people to feel safe enough to proactively start the process of gathering a group up to travel together to New York City. And so um, now that'll probably be back next year, barring anything crazy happening. But um, it's it's just kind of another year uh, has missed the marks with some uh, rocks of tourism.
0: Yeah. And everything that went with COVID aside. You know, I think all of us were very month to month. Yeah. Like, well, what's the next month look like? And so when you're saying like, you can't plan six months out because you don't know what next month looks like.
1: Exactly. People don't want to make that kind of, you know, what, what if they gave a deposit, you know, nobody wants to lose that deposit. Nobody wants to, um, to tie up all this, these finances when something might go awry, So, but yeah, it should be back next year, but it's another year that's, that's kind of a bust to tell you the truth. So it's just a lot, it's a lot of small groups and families that have been going up there. And we certainly up in New York, welcome everybody. We're very happy to have tourists. I think everybody collectively understood what the town looks like without them. And I think I can speak for New Yorkers. It's a, it's a loss to not have tourists up there. We want them. They make our economy it is a hugely grossing industry industry that affects all of us living up in New York City. And we desperately want tourism to come back.
0: Yeah, of course. So being my, my New York expert for this, two things I, I have to know for me, because nobody else asked these, but I want to know. If you had to recommend like one type of food in New York that is like you must have Is there one that jumps to mind or is it just like go experience something just different?
1: You know, I would say go and experience something different because like every cuisine that's cooked on this earth, there's at least one restaurant that serves that in New York city. So yeah, just going, getting out of your comfort zone, you know, people go in Times square and they go to red lobster, they go to TGI Fridays, they go to Applebee's <laughs> and I understand that, you know, what food is there. Like yeah. You, it's the you chain that
0: exists across the I, you country. know, I mean,
1: just, yeah. I mean, I, again, I get it. I'm not making fun. I'm not judging because i People understand what the menu is. They know what they're getting, and you're not so sure when you go to uh, a small restaurant of a different cuisine. But at least you know try something of of another cuisine because there's some really wonderful things out there. There's so there's so many great restaurants with all these different cuisines. But also, I would say that if I were to recommend any particular thing to eat, we have some Jewish delis that make like the best corned beef and pastrami um, curated meat, like no, nowhere else on earth. And so Katz's is is famous, but, um, but there's, there's other Jewish delis that are also famous that have these gigantic sandwiches with this incredible um, curated meat that they do in house. And I can't recommend that enough. So when in doubt, Go to a Jewish deli. There's a bunch of them, and get one of their monster sandwiches. And don't don't go there for a hamburger. You can go to a diner for a hamburger. Those are literally a dime a dozen. Go to a great Jewish deli.
0: Awesome. See, that is not an answer I was expecting. So I enjoy hearing like the expert's opinion. The other one I was just wondering about is because Broadway is so well known. Is there anything? either that you've seen or you've just heard about from, you know, the massive amount of people that you have seen over the years that have seen Broadway, that you're like, this is the one it seems like you can't miss.
1: Hmm. You know, that's hard to say because shows are to people's taste. Like for instance, I've probably, this sounds really snobby. It's just because I'm a live theater crazy person. Like that's my jam. I go to see live theater and I might have seen, Oh my goodness! Over, I can't even put a number on it. Five hundred Broadway shows, a thousand—I'm not sure. Just I've lived there thirty years, and I see uh, one or two per week, whatever that is. I'm bad at math, so I've seen a lot of shows. So I like different. I like unique. I like um, like surreal, obtuse storylines, along with the Lion King and and um, stories that we're all familiar with and grew up with. However, like my husband, who's not the live theater lover like like I am, I know that he likes like flashy musicals like 42nd Street, where you don't have to get too cerebral with it. You don't have to think too much. It's just fun, music and dancing and everybody having a good time. So it's hard to recommend Broadway shows because that's so to taste. I mean, it really is. But I would say that um, go on I, I use theatermania.com. A lot of people use different like hubs on on the internet to find cheaper tickets, but really look at them. Don't just say, okay, everybody's seeing Hamilton. So I'm going to see Hamilton. And Hamilton obviously is awesome. Or Lion King. I see a discount there. I'll just go see that. And you're probably going to love it anyway, but there's so many different things from straight plays to off-Broadway, little 300 seat theater plays where you're going to see something really interesting to say Plaza Suite. That's starring Matthew Broderick and his wife, Sarah Jessica Parker. And it's a $300 ticket plus, but it's a once in a lifetime, right? So uh, I just would say do your research because there's so many shows out there that um, don't just do it based on a price or the popularity of, let's say, a Disney show. Like do some research because there's something for everybody when it comes to Broadway.
0: Yeah. And I'm hoping to get someone in from Broadway soon. If anyone out there knows Bryce Pinkham, I am desperately trying to invite him on the show. But otherwise, you know, I had someone else on here who had worked on Broadway before, um, had worked in the musical and kind of performance scene. And it's one of those that's like you, you really like I'll have to get a guest at some point that is very knowledgeable of that for me to like sink my teeth into but it's one of those that like, I I have heard so many recommendations for so many different things over the years. And I feel like I have seen so few that I would be immediately overwhelmed if I did not have some resource, like you said, to look at, I'd be like, what are all of these? And just right, be lost. Right,
1: yes, because there's just literally something for everyone. You know, I moved to New York City when I was 23 years old to be an actress. That's why I moved there. And I got a degree in music and I was I was in that that world for 10 years and loved it. Love the camaraderie of other artists and um, theater lovers. I love those people. I love the lifestyle. I'm kind of a little bit of a gypsy myself. And um, I, I just feel like when I go to Broadway, I'm still seeing my people, and remembering those times uh, when I moved to New York City, and I became a tour guide because everybody who's on Broadway or who comes up to New York City to be on Broadway has to pay the bills, and so we all have day jobs or side hustles um, that help us with um, you know all the expense of this crazy expensive city. And that's when I became a tour guide. But as it turns out, after a while, I started liking tour guiding as much as I liked being a singer and, 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 and an actor. So I just, and I, and I also felt like I was really good at it. Um, I felt like I was decent as an actress, but I felt like tour guiding just kind of became my thing. Right, and so I, I ended up morphing to that. But you know, I I've been taking tourists probably a couple of thousand every year since 1995, and I'm 52 now, so I've been doing it since I was um, 25. And it's so nice to say that you're good at something, you know? Right? And it may be as a New York City tour guide. Yeah, am I solving the world's problems? No, but I'm helping people to have a good time in New York City, and and hopefully kind of giving some real hospitality and making them feel more comfortable in the city and feel like that they're able to really like see it in the way that they want to.
0: Yeah. And that's why I've genuinely enjoyed having you on the show because like, this is the kind of interview that I started the show for was you don't have to have this extremely exclusive job that no one else has in order to like talk about what people don't understand about it. You can have a job that is not In every major city, in every area of the world, there are tour guides. But like, how often do you ever sit and think about what a tour guide has to do and go through and live in the city and what they experience and, you know, things like that?
1: Well, um, I'm a writer uh, as well. And I'm currently writing a book on my tour guiding experiences because of all of these years being a tour guide crazy situations have happened. And I decided to put it in a book form. Some of these nutty Nutty things of of life as a new york city tour guide i ha- i haven't decided the title yet but maybe something like confessions of a new york city tour guide <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> of course and
1: um, so i'm writing that now and i'm i'm looking i'm having fun writing it because i remember everything and part of it is i kept notes on on everything so in a way it's kind of already written so i just have to you know build out all of the stories
0: yeah but, and know. and this is kind of your uh The brave return to a second book because I've had a lot of people on the show and they seem to go one of two ways. Either they write one book and then they never return to writing a book because either the writing or the editing was the most nightmarish experience of their life or they're on their 10th book. (laughs)
1: Right. Um, you know, it is, I have to say, it's funny. I think, I, I think I'm the, the latter. It is a little addicting because once you spend time writing a book, you feel like your skills just got so much better. And, you know, it's just like you, uh, a lot of people like expressing themselves creatively and that's become my creative expression. But I wrote a book about 9-11 and it came out um, not too long ago in 2019 and it was great. It won awards. Uh, it's, it's, it sold, uh, several, several thousand copies, and that's really great. I also feel that it's, it's, it's educating people about little lesser known stories about 9-11. Uh, we have a firsthand account ourselves, having lived only six blocks and from the World Trade Center during the attacks. We we're basically residents of the neighborhood in which the, uh, where the attacks happen. And so it's different perspective, uh, I can't say I enjoyed writing it. It brought back some very sad memories and it took me four years to write it, but I'm glad that it's out there. And I'm glad that people have learned more about the attacks uh, from a different perspective. It kind of helped round out their, their understanding of, of the New York city attacks, but um, certainly it's going to be nice to write a book. That's fun to write. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> With the tour guiding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, have kept you for quite a while and I've appreciated your time immensely. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, if there's anywhere people want to find you or get a tour from you or find your books, where can they find more information for you?
1: So, easy peasy, Christina Ray Stanton, C H R I S T I N A R A Y S T A N T O N dot com. And that is my Book and article website. I've written a lot of articles about New York City, New York City history, 9-11 history, even about being a tour guide. And uh, my 9-11 book, of course. So, and it's all also just my upcoming appearances. I, I speak about being a tour guide and I speak about 9-11, actually all over the world. So if you want to keep up with me and what I'm what I'm writing, what I'm doing, that's that's the best way. I'm also on Facebook under Christina Ray Stanton author. So if anybody wants to keep up with, with my goings-on and, and my, my articles, I'm there as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show. I have appreciated it.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Remember to tell others about the show. It's slowly growing, but it could do it a lot faster with some help from listeners like you. You could also rate it on Spotify or iTunes. It only takes a second, and it means a whole lot to me. I don't think I have a whole lot else to share. Oh, but there is going to be a second episode this week in just a couple days, as a matter of fact. If you're one of those who listens to or downloads this right away, you might have some time to guess at what's coming up before it's uploaded, because it's related to a specific day that happens this week. Moving on, we've got the final rankings from April. Number one, the United States, with Oregon narrowly beating out Rising Star Florida. Number two, Canada, with Alberta leading the pack. Three, Australia, with a come-from-behind jump to the top three. Number four, the United Kingdom. And number five, Mexico. That's all I've got for this episode, but I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.